0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Farida de lang The Voyages of Dr. Dolittle by Hugh Lofting, part 1, chapter 10, The Private Zoo. I did not think there could be anything left in that garden which we had not seen but the doctor took me by the arm and started off down a little narrow path and after many windings and twistings and turnings we found ourselves before a small door in a high stone wall the doctor pushed it open inside was still another garden i had expected to find cages with animals inside them but there were none to be seen instead there were little stone houses here and there all over the garden and each house had a window and a door as we walked in many of these doors opened and animals came running out to us evidently expecting food haven't the doors any locks on them i asked the doctor oh yes he said every door has a lock but in my zoo the doors open from the inside not from the out the locks are only there so the animals can go and shut themselves in any time they want to get away from the annoyance of other animals or from people who might come here every animal in this zoo stays here because he likes it not because he is made to they all look very happy and clean i said would you mind telling me the names of some of them certainly well now that funny-looking thing with plates on his back nosing under the brick over there is a south american armadillo. The little chap talking to him is a canadian woodchuck they both live in those holes you see at the foot of the wall the two little beasts doing antics in the pond are a pair of russian minks and that reminds me i must go and get them some herrings from the town before noon it is early closing to-day that animal just stepping out of his house is an antelope one of the smaller south african kinds now let us move to the other side of those bushes and there i will show you some more are those deer over there i asked deer said the doctor where do you mean over there i said pointing nibbling the grass border of the bed there are two of them oh that said the doctor with a smile that isn't two animals that is one animal with two heads the only two-headed animal in the world it's called the push me pull you i brought him from africa he's very tame acts as a kind of night watch for my zoo he only sleeps with one head at a time you see very handy the other head stays awake all night have you any lions or tigers i asked as we moved on no said the doctor it wouldn't be possible to keep them here and i wouldn't keep them even if i could if i had my way stummins There wouldn't be a single lion or tiger in captivity anywhere in the world. They never take to it. They're never happy. They never settle down. They are always thinking of the big countries they have left behind. You can see it in their eyes, dreaming, dreaming always of the great open spaces where they were born, dreaming of the deep dark jungles where their mothers first taught them how to scent and track the deer. And what are they given in exchange for all this?" asked the doctor. Stopping in his walk and growing all red and angry, what are they given in exchange for the glory of an African sunrise, for the twilight breeze whispering through the palms, for the green shade of the matted-tangled vines, for the cool big-starred nights in the deserts, for the patter of the waterfall after a hard day's hunt? what i ask you are they given in exchange for these why a bare cage with iron bars an ugly piece of dead meat thrust to them once a day and a crowd of fools to come and stare at them with open mouths no stubbins. lions and tigers the big hunters should never never be seen in zoos the doctor seemed to have grown terribly serious almost sad but suddenly his manner changed again, and he took me by the arm, with the same old cheerful smile. But we haven't seen the butterfly houses yet, nor the aquariums. Come along, I'm very proud of my butterfly houses. Off we went again, and came presently into a hatched enclosure. Here I saw several big huts made of fine wire netting, like cages. Inside the netting all sorts of beautiful flowers were growing in the sun, with butterflies skimming over them the doctor pointed to the end of one of the huts where little boxes with holes in them stood in a row those are the hatching boxes said he there are put the different kinds of caterpillars and as soon as they turn into butterflies and moths they come out into these flower gardens to feed do butterflies have a language i asked oh i fancy they have said the doctor and the beetles too but so far i haven't succeeded in learning much about insect languages i have been too busy lately trying to master the shellfish talk i mean to take it up though at that moment polynesia joined us and said doctor there are two guinea pigs at the back door they say they have run away from the boy who kept them because they didn't get the right stuff to eat they want to know if he will take them in all right said the doctor Show them the way to the zoo. Give them the house on the left, near the gate, the one the black fox had. Tell them what the rules are and give them a square meal. Now, Stubbins, we will go on to the aquariums. And first of all, I must show you a big glass seawater tank where I keep the shellfish. End of chapter 10. Recorded by Ferida de Lange.